Thank you for tuning in to GV Talks, a podcast where I speak to locals about what's going on in the community. All people, whether successful or struggling, make our community what it is. GV Talks highlights those making a difference. Tune in every Thursday for a new episode. The podcast is proudly sponsored by Origin Athletics, a local 24-7 gym dedicated to getting you fit and healthy. Mention that you heard about the club from the podcast and pay no joining fee. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Emma, thank you for joining me on GV Talks. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. You're 10 minutes late. What's oh. going on? <laughs> I think I'm always a little bit late. If you tell me 10.30, you probably should have said 10.20. Worse. Then I would have gotten here on time. <laughs> well, originally we said 12, so you're actually an hour and a half early. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what, have, uh, what have you been doing this morning? Um, well, I went to the gym this morning. Um, and then I went to Little Lippery and had coffee with Ellie, actually. We had a little coffee date. Yeah. So we met at the gym. Who signed up first, you or Ellie? Uh, I think I did. Yeah. I, um, Ellie and I were going to another gym before that. And um, yeah, we were just kind of looking for something else. And I heard about your um, gym. And Ellie had mentioned that one of her friends does the semi-private trainings and so I was the one who kind of took the step I guess because I kept saying to her oh we should sign up or we should go check it out and she was a bit meh whatever so then I went and then I bullied her for about two weeks until she eventually signed up as well I think yeah they were pretty you're pretty close together yeah (laughs) before we get too deep into it do you want to let the locals know who they're listening to yes well my name is Emma Burr-Nyberg I am um, the operations coordinator at the University of Melbourne here in Shepparton. Um, so I do all... Why are you looking at me like that? It's a hefty title. I don't think you've ever told me the title of the oh. job that you do. It sounds really <laughs> professional, doesn't it? <laughs> Where's the business card? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> people don't use business cards anymore, I don't think. Um, but yeah, no, I basically do all the um, HR recruitment, um, selection, inductions, everything for the Department of Rural Health. So that's a um, like a branch of the University of Melbourne, which is based in Parkville, but we've got campuses in Shepparton, Ballarat um, and Wangaratta. So I help to recruit for all those rural campuses. Yeah, so like what do you do specifically? Like how do you recruit people? Through job ads. <laughs> yeah, so you like run the ads and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So hiring managers send me the position description. I review them all, um, send them off to get proofed and edited and then we put them up um and on seek and uom uh, like their websites and then when all the applicants come in i do the shortlisting send it to the hiring managers um yeah set up all the interviews so i'm constantly just yeah setting up interviews talking to different applicants it's pretty cool though because um i'm kind of the first point of contact for all the applicants so any new starter that comes to the university, they know who I am and kind of, oh, you're the Emma. Like, you're that person that I talk to on the phone with a weird accent. Um, that's kind of who I am. And I'm kind of their lifeline for the first couple weeks at their new role. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to be quite social and outgoing, be the friendly face of the university because the, I'm the first person that they um, kind of touch base with. 
so do you interact with a lot of new people is there a high turnover or um i think lately there has been maybe because of covid and people are just changing roles and working from home i think has been either quite good on people or quite tough so a lot of there's been a lot of staff changes since i started three years ago i think now um but yeah now it, it comes in waves i think yeah um but yeah do you think your job can be done to the highest standard from home did you like working from home yourself uh, to be honest last year it was quite new and exciting i guess and we were in the height of covid like i didn't even want to see anyone or you know it was all a bit scary so i didn't mind working from home then um my partner brad was actually working night shift at the time because he's an electrician so he was doing all the um, wiring for the new hospital that they were building at gb health so he was working night shift up, going to bed at like I don't know, 5 p.m. and then working from 5 a.m. until, so like, and then all day. So yeah. I basically didn't see him. So I was not only isolating by myself, <laughs> but I didn't have anyone at home. I saw him for like two hours a day. So that was really tough, I think, at the at the start, but it was all like still a bit new and exciting to be able to be at home in your PJs because I'd never really done that kind of work before. Um, but now that it's kind of gone in and out of lockdown, I've kind of realized that I like being in the office. Mm. Um, I went back into the office again this week. We've started slowly coming back and I was one of the first ones to raise my hand and be like, yeah, I definitely want to go because it's nice to just have social interaction and also just, you know, have somewhere to go for the day instead of just from your bedroom to your living room to your office and back. Um, what is the argument that people make for wanting to stay at home? instead of coming back because I think your environment plays such a big role in how I perform. I can't do five push-ups here. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I wouldn't perform well working from home, I can't imagine. Yeah, I think life's um, like a work-life balance. You definitely get a lot more flexibility because you can push in, you know, um, a lot of work and do other things on the side as well. Um, and people with kids, like they might like having the ability to work from home some days and catch up on a few chores or whatever else that they need doing. But I kind of find it that if I stay at home all day, all I see is the dirty dishes in the sink. And it's just like, (laughs) that's all I'm thinking about, you know, like I'm like, oh, then I have to clean this and do that. Like it, I I like having the, the difference of being at work and then coming home as opposed to everything just kind of combining into one. Um, Home, but home, I sorry, home's a place of rest. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and like to relax. Um, and I'm kind of the same though, even with the gym. So last year I was, we bought a bit of equipment and just put out in our shed, um, just to have something to do. And I was doing at home workouts. There you not. But well, we didn't have a choice. Everything was closed. But um, that was all right for a while because you get to do you know thirty minutes and you're basically done because you just do like a quick little high intensity thing and then you can move on with your day and um but I feel like I perform a lot better when I'm in the gym because I see everyone else um pushing themselves and that kind of like even if I'm in a oh I don't feel like it today I still end up surprising myself um which is quite nice and I actually a few weeks ago went to a coffee shop um for like halfway through the day because I was going to go get a coffee and then I thought oh you know what I'll just bring my laptop and just sit here for a bit and I got more work done at the coffee shop (laughs) in those like two hours than I'd done all day just because there was people around and there was you know 
noises and yeah. it felt like it, everyone else was like making me work harder um and it's kind of the same feeling i think at the gym yeah i love taking my laptop to a coffee shop and working it's kind of like a scene from a movie yeah it's like a <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm like i'm here like this is like that part of the movie where they start the montage and i'm working on all my ideas so i've got to actually do it yeah i feel a bit bad though because i usually just sit there and have a coffee for two hours and i'm like oh i've only spent four dollars <laughs> yeah they probably want to like wave me along but um most of the time it's right <laughs> it, it, it's good though because i won't go into a coffee shop unless i see other people in there yeah true. do you know what I mean so like Is even it? if you're just in there taking up a bit of space I think it invites more people to come in yeah because if you're in there I want to go in there yeah true it must be good yeah or else I'd just kick you out surely yeah <laughs> has it um has it always impo- always been important for you to stay fit um yeah I think so growing up I've always been quite active doing a lot of different sports I did soccer growing up not that I was any good just like a team sport I guess um, I have always been skiing, but that's because of my background. I grew up in a place where it was, I don't know, nine months of winter a year. So there was always snow on the ground. Um, so I grew up skiing, downhill skiing and cross country skiing. Um, and then that kind of eventuated into snowboarding. And so I've done a lot of those kind of active sports but still single, not like the, the team sport environment, I guess. Um, I also played quite a bit of golf growing up, which is quite surprising to people. <laughs> but my mom is an avid golfer. Like, she loves it. So when I was, I don't know, three, four years old, I was already gripping a club, basically. And she took all of my cousins. We've got about eight of us, the Swedish side of my family. Um, all of us cousins all went to, like, the little golf camps and stuff growing up. Um, so actually when I met Brad, we played golf together for the first time and I beat him and all his friends, like all his guy friends. And we were all, and then <laughs> afterwards they said, oh, like, I didn't realize you, you played so well. And then one of the guys goes, oh, and hang on, you were playing from the men's tees the whole time. Cause there's different types. So, so there's the red is the, usually the women's tees, I guess, which is further, um, front. Yeah. Just because you don't, yeah, hit, wow. you yeah. don't hit as far kind of the same as um if you think about like men like lifting weights and that yeah they would lift a lot heavier so men's drives would usually go further um so yeah there's women's and then there's like two sets of uh, men's uh, tees at the back and uh, most of the people go for like the middle tees i guess so i was hitting at the back with all the guys because i didn't want to left be left out and be hitting from the front yeah <laughs> um so yeah then afterwards they realized that it hit, wait she was hitting with us the whole time and she still beat us so <laughs> how awesome he like how does he feel about that now surely it's a big joke it's yeah. time he would be like damn yeah he um, impressed or embarrassed yeah no definitely impressed he's yeah. he's not wouldn't be embarrassed by that kind of stuff i think he really brings me up and is excited um for all the sports and everything that i do yeah um and even the travel and everything, I feel like that's one thing that we all, like we both have um, in common, which is nice. What do you like more, sports or weight training? Oh, I don't know. It's a bit, it's different, I guess. Um, I get different joys out of it, I think. The sports is more maybe of like an adrenaline being outside in nature. Like I love being outside and going for hikes and seeing mountains and 
all those things. I feel like I get... Why do you think that is? Because you just appreciate nature so much. You appreciate how beautiful the world is and how much it it has to offer, Um, which I, yeah, I just, I love that side of it. But then weight training, I feel like is more of a routine. You um, can see yourself get more fit and push yourself harder. So I like that side of, of weight training. And I don't think I've done much weight training before, to be honest. I think I've done more more sports or if I did the gym, I would do high intensity or even classes mm. um, because I need someone to yell in my ear and, and tell me to keep doing push-ups when I'm about to die. Um, so I kind of need that push. And I think that's a good thing with like your gym as well because just when you think you, you're about to give up, you kind of pop out of nowhere and... Um, say that you can go up and wait or you come on you can do three more um, yeah I don't see you slack off I don't I, like I'll walk around the corner and I'll see you pushing out reps that a lot of people would have stopped five reps before <laughs> like one arm just ah. yeah, <laughs> still trying to push up <laughs> <laughs> you've learned intensity like through weight training it's so hard to teach somebody that yeah I think that's probably my competitive nature as well though um, just I want to be able to push myself as hard as I can Mm. Um, and that's one thing that I like about weight training too I'm like how far can I push my body and how fit can I really get Um, I yeah I feel like I get a little bit obsessed with that stuff (laughs) do you feel like um, the amount of effort that you've been putting in is an equivalent exchange for how you look currently Um, yeah probably I'd say that I've definitely trimmed up since starting at the gym yeah Um, Probably not within the first three months. Like I was still pushing myself, but I probably wasn't as focused on the food and all the intake and, and that just because we went on a few trips and I kind of felt like I feel like it takes a few cycles to kind of get into um, your food and it's a bit of a change of a mindset as well. Um, so I feel like the last three months I probably pushed a lot harder um, as well. I feel like people need to hear things a lot of times before they actually sink in. Because, like, um, people talk to you, and as they're talking to you, you get ideas. And once that idea enters your head, you stay with that idea for as long as you want, but you've checked out of the conversation. Yeah. So, you know, the first time you hear about food, you're like, macros. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and then you get stuck on that idea, and you've blocked out everything else. Not you specifically, and I mean this in every aspect. Like, I feel like the clients need to hear what they need to do for about three months before they fully understand. All right, like that makes sense. Gotta yeah. Do well, this, do this, do this. I think Ellie and I were even joking one time that um, she was saying to you that, oh, actually, like this week I've been really good. Like over the weekend I counted all my macros and I hit them and I was, I was still eating a lot, but I was actually counting and I've gone down in weight. And you're like, oh, yes, I know. Like that's, that's it. That's what I've been telling you this whole time is that if you hit your macros and you actually eat what you're supposed to, you'll actually go down in weight. Um, and I feel like you probably repeat that every single Monday, to yeah. <laughs> even to myself, because I'm like, oh, I blew it over the weekend. And then you're like, yeah, but if you actually just had counted and hit your macros, you didn't have to be that strict, but you could still progressively lose weight or get stronger or build muscle yeah um so yeah i feel like you're probably repeating that all the time (laughs) even even with the clients like i don't even mind if they blow it as long as they record it because then we have the data like i've had people who have started eating more and started losing more but 
if you don't record it, you just have no idea. You just feel like you've blown it out. Yeah. I think one thing that I like about macros too is that um, I'm a lot more conscious about this piece of, I don't know, pastry. I can eat this little piece and it be 300 calories or I could eat this whole massive like, I don't know, bowl of Greek yogurt and berries and like a massive serving. Yeah. And that could be 300. I'm like, oh, I, f- I feel like I'm wasting myself on this little piece that won't actually satiate me. Like, it, it would be really nice and I'll love the, you know, the taste of it. But this would be just as good. So I feel like I'm kind of thinking of the volume of food that I'm eating now. Yeah. As opposed to just whatever tastes good, even though it's really small. Do you think you would diet any other way in the future? No, probably not. Yeah. Um, so you'll do this for ages. Oh, well, like you'll do it off and on for a long time, I think. Um, and like you'll have periods where you do intuitive eating because you like you've been doing it for a while now. You start to know, you know, that pastries. Yeah. 300 calories, like without putting it in. Like, so even when you like, you'll go through periods where you don't want to track your food and that's completely fine. But you, you've already have put the information in your head. So you'll be more aware of. I had a client, um, Monday this week and she said oh I put in 60 grams of avocado and it was 350 calories I thought avocado was healthy avocado is healthy it's not yeah. good fats but what are we talking about here if we're talking about creating a calorie deficit it might not be the best option there's other healthy fats you can get that you can fit in that are lower calories yeah I I find fat to be my hardest one yeah because every yeah I always go over with my fat um so that's what one foods? thing that I what always think of. You like? <sighs> I don't know I don't know where I go over. Maybe like lamb and stuff might have a lot of fat in it. And um, yeah, if I were to eat chocolate, obviously that would be a lot of fat. <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> I do love chocolate. Like every girl. Uh, awesome. Um, so you mentioned you're not from Shepparton. No. How did you uh, find yourself here? Oh, well, The accent. It's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a bit of a weird accent. And now that I, when I talk to my parents, they always, or like my siblings, they always make fun of me because they say that I sound half, half Australian, um, even though I don't think I do. And nobody here thinks that I do, maybe because Shep has such a thick Australian accent. Um, but yeah, so I'm originally from Sweden. I was born in Sweden because my mother is Swedish. Um, and then my... I grew up half of my life in the United States as well because my dad's actually um, from the States. So I'm a bit of a mix, a bit of a mutt, never really fit in anywhere. (laughs) Um, But people actually get really surprised when I say that I, like, I'm Swedish and I speak Swedish. And they go, oh, no, no, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, yeah, I just told you I grew up in Sweden. Obviously, I know how to speak Swedish. It's my native tongue. But it's just because I speak English with such an American accent that people just assume that I wouldn't know another language. Yeah. Men om du vill så kan jag prata svenska för jag har ju alltid pratat svenska. What did you just say? An insult, I'm sure of it. <laughs> no, I said, well, but if you want me to speak Swedish, I I can speak Swedish because that's my native tongue. I yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. And now we're only going to communicate in Swedish, but I don't know. I'll just be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, did you not realize that I spoke Swedish? It makes sense when you're saying it. Obviously, you would know how to do it, yeah. but I just never even thought, yeah. But even Swedish people in general are really good at speaking English. I think because all the TVs, everything, um, there's a massive influence from 
you know, like all the movies from the US and um, a lot of the famous celebrities and everything like that has, even music has mm. an American influence. And my mom said that growing up, she learned to speak English from the Beach Boys because she used to love the Beach Boys. So she said that that really helped her um, to, yeah, to learn English, even though they did it in school and stuff. But I'm pretty sure you start, you start um, English in Sweden at like the age of six. When, yeah. you, when you start, um, what is it, first grade or year one, as you say, um, you start English at the same time. So that's like if you guys were to... Um, as soon as you start school, you were to start uh, taking French mm. or taking Spanish because Spanish is the world language. Then all of you guys would know Spanish quite well as well. But you, I, I don't know when you people start it here. Then it must be like high school or something. Yeah, we, we learned um, Japanese, but I, oh, okay. I wasn't very good at it. And I think it was year seven, so yeah. obviously a lot later. Um, Spanish. Is the world language? No, I'm just saying if oh. it was. No, <laughs> English is definitely the world language. Yeah. No, I'm saying if it were yeah. Spanish, then it would have a much bigger influence and you would probably learn it at an earlier age. Uh, but kids are like sponges. Like it's, it's such an important thing if you do want them to learn another language to, to do it early because yeah. they pick it up so, so quickly. Um, and yeah, even growing up, like I would just switch between the two languages. Like my mom would ask something and even now, like my mom will ask something, I'll reply to her in Swedish and then my dad will say something and I'll reply to him in English. Um, even though he does understand Swedish, um, he, yeah, he kind of speaks like a broken, um, Swedish, but you still understand. It's kind of cute. It has a lot of grammatical errors and, and that kind of like if you were to meet someone's old I don't know, Chinese grandma or something. And you kind of still understand her, but it, it was, a, yeah, some of the words would be a bit off, I guess. Will you teach your kids Swedish? Yeah, definitely. I definitely want my kids to, to learn Swedish. I want Brad to learn it as well. He keeps saying that he wants to, but I haven't seen him really try yet. I think it's a bit harder if you're not exposed to it. Like if we were to move to Sweden, he'd get pushed into it right away. 100%. And he'd kind of have to. Um I know that my dad said when we lived in Sweden, he found it really hard um, to even practice his Swedish though, because as soon as people heard you trying to mumble like, oh, uh, can I water please? They'd be like, oh, where are you from? Oh, uh, English. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they want to practice their English. So they all of a sudden speak English to you. And he's like, oh, well, I never really got to practice my Swedish because everyone would just, it would just be easier for them to speak to me in English. Yeah. And and you probably feel a little bit embarrassed as well. Do you get angry that, like, you've kind of been forced not to speak your native tongue? Here? Oh, just in general. Like, you had to learn English because everyone has to learn English. Um, we didn't really thought about it like yeah, that. Yeah, no. I f- kind of find them interchangeable, so I don't really feel like I'm forced to speak any of the languages. I'd say even now, because I've lived overseas for so long now, I probably, my English would probably be better than my Swedish at the moment because I hardly speak it. Like mm. I, it's, you kind of lose it. If you, you forget simple things um, that you would normally just would come to you, uh, would be a lot harder to kind of think of. You should start um, um, like, like Swedish lessons. <laughs> yeah, from all the, all the shit people. <laughs> They reckon they would come. I reckon they would come. People love that stuff. Oh, yeah. I don't know when they would ever use it, though. Maybe when they find a Swedish exchange student, they can woo her with some Swedish <laughs> words. <laughs> what was it What was it like growing up in Sweden? 
Yeah, good. We lived up in the in the north of Sweden, so basically three hours from the Arctic Circle. Um, I was born in Schleftö, which is it's like the I don't know, kind of the not not Bogen, but it's in the middle of the woods, basically. Um, so similar to Shep, maybe a little bit bigger, um, and you, yeah, surrounded by a lot of pine trees yeah but still on the water so the baltic sea actually goes up um if you like you've got norway and then sweden's the one in the middle at the top of europe so those really long countries so you've got norway you've got sweden the baltic sea in between that and then finland yeah um on the side there so we lived basically right on the water um Mm. we've actually got like a little um house that's only a few k's from from the water which is pretty cool because um, during the winter, it gets so cold that the ocean freezes. And think about this: salt water usually freezes at—I don't even know—it's it, l- normal water freezes at zero. Yeah. But salt water is like negative ten or like something below that because it's got salt particles in it, so it takes a lot longer. Yeah. But because the the Baltic Sea mixes with the fresh streams, so you've got rivers going into it, and it's not the ocean, I guess, because it's a sea. It's just like juts in a bit um it actually freezes because it's so cold there during the winter it could be like negative 20 negative 30 sometimes even negative 40 degrees which is unbearable sometimes it's like when it's really really hot here you can't even go outside it's the same thing but you were to go if you go out for a walk for example um you come back and your eyelashes are frozen like they're white your hair would be frozen so it'd be literally crystals on your hair i probably have some picture somewhere of it um and your nostrils freeze so all your boogers and everything freeze (laughs) it's all like you can't like physically breathe when it's that cold out um but it is beautiful like you get to see there's a lot of wildlife moose reindeer you get to see the northern lights a lot during really yeah yeah so around i'd say this time of year so like from september to december even throughout um christmas i guess but yeah i remember coming home from the gym and um, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, is that, is that something green, like starting in the sky? Cause you kind of just gradually see it. And then all of a sudden it's just like a green line and it moves and it like dances in the sky. If you ever want to be mesmerized, yeah. look up the Northern Lights. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, oh. I want to see it. Yeah. I've seen it like, and I've been like, that's like bucket list sort of thing for me. I'd yeah, love to see it's, that. It's beautiful. I love, I love the Northern Lights. I've that's another thing that just makes me appreciate nature as well it's pretty cool phenomenon it's about the um the polar fields so um it's like a magnetic field i guess that it's a weather change like the clouds coming in yeah it's the same thing so the north pole because we're so close to the north pole um it then draws magnetic fields and that's what the um the green and the different colors are it's all the magnets i guess all being drawn um to the north pole it's pretty cool. It's amazing. It it's just it's crazy that nature can make something that beautiful. Like it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems like magic. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Like if if nobody could explain to you, like the way you explain it now, there's just green through the sky, you'd be like, like, what is this world? This isn't real. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it's definitely so beautiful. And it, during winter as well, um, there's just snow all on the pine trees, and um, yeah, it's a really beautiful place i think if anyone wants to go to europe they should definitely try to make a trip to either norway or sweden um 
because there's there's so much to see around there. When, when you were describing how cold it was, yeah, <laughs> actually, actually before that, do you reckon that um, the photos give it justice? No, no really. No. So I not. thought the photos would be better than real life because they're probably Photoshop. Yeah, but not not the case. You reckon it's better in real life than it is in yeah. Photos? If you ever so if you're ever in um, not a snowstorm because that usually is quite windy, but snow, I think. I don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure um, snow grabs a lot of the moisture in the air. So if you know how in movies you see these massive like snowflakes falling, yeah, um, you get such a calm like stillness because there's never any wind when the snowflakes are falling like that. So you're basically just looking up, and it's it can be you can hear like a pin drop and look around and everything's white and beautiful and your feet like you can even hear the crunching under your feet um and you breathe in and it's this beautiful breath of fresh air basically just every breath that you take um i find it quite peaceful and relaxing and i i think that's also why i love being out um in the snow during the winter as well yeah. because you get that like you get to look at these beautiful mountains and you're outside all day with your friends on the snow. It's such a good time. And you, yeah, like I said, you really appreciate everything that the world has to offer and um, how beautiful nature really is. How do you think the beauty of Australia compares to the beauty you just described then? Are they on the same level? Like, do you, like, it's, it's probably hard for me to see because I've been here my whole life, but is yeah. there, um, are there environments here that you go into and you find that feeling or it's just like a taste compared to what you would what it's, you would experience in Sweden no it's definitely just different I think different type of beauty I really love the the trees here like all the gum trees and even the animals like I really appreciate all the different colored parrots and um animals and um even the mountains here are really beautiful like if you go up the high country I'm blown away sometimes by by the mountain and the landscape up there, which I love. Yeah. Um, and then even the uh, like, this is a really silly thing, but canola fields. I'd never seen them before. <laughs> yeah. And it's Shep is the flattest place ever. But during springtime, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my god, this is so beautiful. Like, stop. We need to stop. I need to take a picture. And Brad, in his head, was like, no, don't you have canola fields everywhere? Like, I thought everyone had seen this stuff and I had never seen, I'd never seen it. And I thought it was so beautiful. Like these fields of, of yellow. How awesome. Um, not that that's the most beautiful thing I guess about Australia, but even like all the beaches, like I've been up North and traveled quite a bit and even down Torquay way, I think is really beautiful with all the cliffs and, um, yeah, it just, Australia has a lot to offer and I like that. And I like the lifestyle and, um, the work-life balance here as well I think I really love living in Sweden I think I'd probably go back if I were to have kids because I'd want them to experience the same lifestyle but it's a lot more closed off people aren't as open I'd say um here people are quite outgoing and yeah in Sweden it's it's quite um I don't know just a different type of culture if you don't know the person they wouldn't go out of their way to talk to you or reach out to you not saying that they're cold people but it's just a different way of communicating I think um and then obviously the winters are quite um 
can be quite long as well. You don't really get a, a summer, which you do here. Obviously, it's a bit too much of a summer, um, but you still get the best the best of um, both worlds here. I think it's yeah. just very far away <laughs> um, from everything. What? Why do you think it's like that in Sweden? <sighs> it's it's a, just, do you think it's just in the culture? I was in China. Yeah. And I asked my tour guide, like, why have I not seen one person smile for the whole three weeks I've been here? And she said, they're happy. They're just not in the culture to smile. Yeah. And I was like, that's like, it just didn't make sense to me. But it, like, I understood it when she said it, but like, it's just hard to wrap your head around it. Yeah. I think if you were to go up to a random person in Sweden and just start chatting to them, depending on who they were, they'd kind of look at you and be like, mm, do, do I know you? Like try to place you from somewhere because they wouldn't go out of their way just to talk to someone. Unless you were drunk at a bar, I guess. That would be a lot easier to talk to Swedes, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, not saying that they're not easy to get along with. It's just like to get in um, probably would be a little bit harder. But maybe also coming from an outside perspective because I've moved between the countries quite a bit um so even though I was born in Sweden I'd still traveled to and lived in different places so I'm not I am 100% Swedish but but not I'm like a 50 50 like I said before I'm a mutt <laughs> and now I've got a weird Australian accent so now I'm even more more of a mutt <laughs> so how long were you in Sweden for and then did you went to America after that yeah so um a bit of a weird childhood I guess not weird amazing childhood I I loved um all the adventures that we went on my my parents have always been quite keen travelers so we moved around quite a bit um my parents were living in I think in Switzerland um just before I was born Mm. moved to to Sweden where they had me and I have two older siblings as well so we were all my brother Bjorn and my sister Hannah yeah, my, oh, my brother's name's name Bjorn. Ever. <laughs> like Bjorn Borg, you know, the, the tennis player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so they we were all born in Sweden. No matter where we lived at the time, my mom always went back to Sweden to have us. Um, so I was born in Sweden, and then when I was three weeks old, we moved to England. Um, and we lived there for two years, and then moved back to Sweden until I was about six and then moved to Virginia, which is in the United States, kind of in the, the middle, yeah. Um, yeah, Middle East uh, of the States. And then lived there for two years, moved to Paris for three years. So I went to the American School of Paris there, um, which was really cool. Like we lived in the middle of Paris, basically. Like um, yeah. I, I wish we could have stayed there a bit longer because it was such a unique experience and I got to learn a bit of French not that I'm very good anymore but I'd still be able to kind of get away with it um I even a few years ago traveled South America and I don't know any Spanish I never took Spanish in school but because I'd had French before I kind of picked up a lot of because it's a romantic language I picked up a lot of the the ways that they say things and would say it with a French kind of spin on it and yeah. the Spanish people would pick it up and be like oh you mean this and they yeah so I feel like that I've still got that kind of background and um still a little bit okay in my in my French I guess um so we lived in France for three years and then from there how old was I maybe nine um nine ten 
12. Yeah. So when I was 12, we moved to Boston. So just outside of Boston, which is in the United States again. Um, and that's where I then finished up high school. So when I was 17, I graduated and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do because college in the United States is very expensive, like 20 to 50,000 a year. And that's American dollars and you have to do a four year program. So I wasn't going to fork out 200K because I didn't have that much money. Um, And yeah, so then because of that, I moved back to Sweden. Um, to complete so I'd finished done my high school in the US yeah. but in Sweden they um, start a year later so that you actually graduate when you're instead of 17 18 you graduate when you're 18 or 19 yeah so I did um, luckily my cousin who I'm quite close with he had like a spot open in his class from someone who had moved or something so I jumped into their uh, last year of high school and read up on on Swedish and a few other um, curriculum mm. and transferred my high school diploma from the States to then get a high school diploma in, in Sweden. So I kind of got both, which was awesome because I got to do senior year in the States. And then when I was 18, I was in Sweden, which is, you know, the legal drinking age and a lot more freedom. It was, yeah. And it, it was cool because I got to see the two different cultures and how they, how different the schooling and um, culture and everything was. But I got to go to, you know, one prom in the States and then go to the senior ball in Sweden as well. So I kind of got the best of both worlds, which I loved. Yeah, I'm jealous. (laughs) It sounds like a blast. Which one was better? Um, Which one was more wild? Yeah. So in the States, I feel like they they focus on academia a lot more. Um, And... I did a lot of extracurricular activities and was part of sports teams because that's how you get into college. And I love that because every single, like you'd finish at 2.30 and then you'd have training from three to four or five at night. Um, so you were quite like active with the school and there was a lot of team spirit. You went to football games. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I hit the mic. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I Yeah, so you go to football games. There's a lot of like team spirit. Um, and then, so I, I like that about the going to school in the States. But then in Sweden, it's a lot more laid back. It's basically, they, I was used to having to raise my hand to get a whole pass to go to the toilet. Whereas there, they were like, no, like you're 18 years old. You can do whatever you want. If you don't want to come to school, if you don't want to do your homework, fine. It was a lot more um, independent, I'd say. They basically taught the students, but also, if you didn't want to show up to class, you weren't as, as disciplined, I guess. Um, so it was a lot easier in that way. It's not as focused on academia. It's more focused on um, lifestyle. And if you wanted to do TAFE or something else, if you wanted to become a mechanic, you could do that. As opposed to in the States, it was basically just like, no, you have to do high school and you have to graduate in order to ever get a job anywhere, basically. Um, but I... In, in Sweden too, it's a lot more centralized on um, when you go into high school, you go into different trades, I guess. So you can go straight into a mechanic or you can go hairdressing. Or I did, my I jumped in my cousin's class, which was Friluftsliv, um, and that's um, like outdoor life and leadership, which was sick because every Friday we basically had a whole day. So like in the morning we had gym class and I was used to gym class being dodgeball or something but gym (laughs) class in Sweden is like you do gymnastics you go um, 
cross-country skiing you go play ice hockey like it's so more so much more active um and i feel like a lot more people participate as well because it's a lot more fun than just slamming a ball in someone's head and everyone just standing to the corner because it was the three best people that always Always just yeah Yeah. oh yeah it kind of took over but um yeah we did outdoor life and leadership so we went on hikes we went on like a seven day overnight trek um through the swedish mountains got to stay in tents and wake up to moose and reindeer um on our on our back tents i guess um we got to go whitewater rafting so many cool things and this was all through the school and that's what they encouraged for people to do um and that was a program like a high school program it was it was awesome yeah it sounds awesome Mm. um people tend to live their life in stages um and like people who want to travel usually want to do it when they're like 18 or 21 or around that age usually um but you've done it all in your childhood yeah i i think that kind of pushed me as well to keep traveling um because my parents have been such avid travelers when i was younger traveling just kind of made me want to travel even more (laughs) yeah um so my dad for example he's he's a very interesting guy i i feel like i appreciate him a lot more now that i've gotten older and have learned more about his background and um everything that they've done Mm. so he actually grew up on a on a zoo like his dad owned owned a zoo in in the united states and um i think his dad was he he was like an academic for yale or something like quite a switched on guy and just on his spare time wanted to own a zoo so my dad grew up with like chimpanzees and monkeys and all that kind of stuff um so that really drove him to want to study veterinary medicine so he's a qualified vet um and i think at the age of 16 or 17 he did an exchange program in austria and england and came back to the states and then went um went over to because he studied animal science or something um and then got into a post um like a a degree in veterinary science in the philippines so he went over to the philippines to manila and studied there for five years once he completed that he got into a postgraduate in south africa so he moved to south africa and at the time it was during apartheid so um everything was in afrikaans which is the the dutch um british influence kind of language i guess and so it's a totally different language and he said he had to have a have a book with him during the lectures they'd be speaking a different language and writing down so it's like a yeah like a dutch kind of language so he would be writing down what they were saying looking it up in the book veterinary like he was doing a post graduate degree in a different language in a totally different country um and still managed to yeah to graduate I guess um and then from there moved I think I want to say he did a stint in Saudi Arabia and um Iraq working at a at a dairy farm and so he was there for I think three years so two years in Iraq and one year in Saudi Arabia and then he describes it as oh and then there was a war that broke out because it was the 80s or something so after a while, I thought, oh, I better get out of here. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds pretty reasonable to, 
to get out yeah. of Saudi Arabia, like or Iraq, I guess. Um, and then from there, he got accepted into a a program. Um, I I think he studied in New Zealand or worked in New Zealand for two or three years and then got accepted into a PhD program. So like a doctorate program in veterinary medicine in Australia. So he growing up, as you can tell, um, he didn't travel much when he was younger, but as soon as he hit 16, he just went bounced from one place to another. And he always describes it as he didn't have enough money to, um, study in the States or want to stay in the States, I guess. So he just bounced around from any, any place that would take him. So the Philippines probably was a cheap option to a cheap way to go. Um, and then, yeah, wherever he got in, wherever he got a scholarship, he was like, yep, packing my bags. I'll move to a totally different country where I don't know the language or, or anything and, um, and head over there. So I feel like a lot of my influence comes from him. And also obviously my mom is quite active in traveling because they traveled together quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so because of that, I've always had that push in the back of my mind. If I ever said to my dad, oh, you know, I'm thinking of moving here or traveling here. He's always the my biggest um, push, I guess, and always is backing me up. Oh, yeah, yeah, you want to go there? Yeah, let's do it. Let's make it work. Let's if you want to travel South America, let's see how we can make this this happen. Um, so when I was when I finished um, my high school in Sweden, so let's see, how old was I then? 18. I did a ski season in California because I loved, like, I think my sister lived out there at the time and I loved skiing and really loved the, the vibe and everything at ski resorts. So I did a, a season there and then got accepted into a bachelor's degree in Sweden. So I moved back to Sweden again, um, studied there for a few years and then I applied for a few exchange programs. I applied to Australia. I think it was like Bond University up in Gold Coast and a few other places. Australia, New Zealand, all those places, everyone wanted to go there. So no, I didn't get accepted to any of those programs, but I got into a program in South Africa and I had never really even thought about Africa or seen it really. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay. I asked my dad about it. He's like, oh, of course you have to go. It'll be amazing. It'll be the best chance in your lifetime <laughs> definitely go um so yeah I accepted the program to go there and study and I was studying just outside of Cape Town in a at a university called Stellenbosch University and it was beautiful like beautiful vineyards all around in these massive mountains and even Cape Town is just surrounded you've got this tabletop mountain table mountain I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen it before but it basically looks like a tabletop like it's flat and then juts out and, and goes down again. Um, it's it's beautiful. If you ever want to look at an amazing, it kind of reminds me a bit of like Rio de Janeiro with all the mountains right next to the water. Mm. Similar to that, Cape Town has a very similar um, vibe. So I, I studied there and absolutely loved it. <laughs> and um, I think I, I told you that I blew out once because I've just been traveling yeah. and eating and drinking and all that. And I... I think my, my, my weight just ballooned from there. Um, but then after that, I kind of was like, okay, back, back to normal, back to routine. But I mean, I think that happens with everyone when, when they travel because they're enjoying themselves and, and enjoying the, the lifestyle. But it was, it was awesome. It was such a great experience. I got to study African studies because I was doing international studies at 
at the time. So I got to learn all about apartheid and different African countries and how they all fit into one another. Um, from that, I got to travel all the way up the coast from uh, Cape Town all the way up to Durban. Mm. Um, absolutely beautiful. And it's so cheap too. Like it's such an affordable place to, to visit. Um, so if anyone ever wants to go anywhere, I always tell them that Africa, everyone has such a bad stigma, I think, about Africa because they think that, you know, it's war, you know, like really um, there's a lot of poverty and you might get robbed and yeah, Fair enough, you might, but don't flash your brand new iPhone to someone who that might be their whole year's wage, Yeah. Um, you know? And I feel like it's really important for people to kind of see the other side as well instead of their sheltered little bubbles. Um, but yeah, it's the same traveling in Asia, I think. Um, there's a lot of poverty around Asia, but I, it's just probably closer and a lot um, easier for Australians because it's a lot more comforting for them. They, they might... More no, friends have been there. yeah, everyone's been to Asia, I guess. But yeah, in South Africa, I traveled all the way up the coast. I went north to Namibia, which is basically just a desert, but beautiful. They've got these massive sand dunes, um, kind of like the sand dunes that you see on um, screensavers. Yeah. Those kinds of sand dunes with dead trees in the middle of this massive field of sand. Um, I went skydiving there, actually. <laughs> Saw a little sandstorm come in and the ocean and everything. Um, yeah, it was beautiful. And um, from Namibia, we went on heaps of safaris, saw lions and elephants and every amazing animal that you can see, yeah. you see on these safaris. So what, why wouldn't you want to go to Africa? Because there's just so much to, to see there. Um, and then from there, I think we traveled over to Botswana, which is also like heaps of um, animals that you can see and parks to visit rhinos all that i think it's the biggest rhino population in africa um in botswana and then went to zimbabwe and back down i think we spent christmas in mozambique which is one of the countries just on the coast there and went scuba diving and got my scuba diving ticket and um saw all these amazing animals under the water as well how lucky do you feel to have parents like you have have opened up all these opportunities for you because that's not normal what you've just described i don't think <laughs> i don't know anyone else who has a story like you just told me oh thank you <laughs> um yeah no i'm very very lucky and i i'm very close with my parents at the moment too like they have always been my biggest heroes and i think i appreciate them like i said a lot more now that i've moved away and um and how much they've actually done for me and how much they continually support me as well um so it's yeah it's, it's pretty unbelievable and i'm quite grateful for all the opportunities that i've had i um i always find that because after south africa i got into a master's degree here in australia and that was my dad as well he he pushed me to be like oh you should do your master's somewhere else because i was g gonna just finish my bachelor's degree in sweden and then maybe do a master's in Sweden because it was easy and it was free because mm. <laughs> um, all university there is free. So I was going to apply and then my dad was like, no, let's like go somewhere else, go try some other place. And so I got into a master's degree at Monash University in Melbourne. And I'd never even heard of Melbourne, really. <laughs> I knew that there were a few, I'd probably heard of Sydney and Brisbane, maybe Perth, but Melbourne wasn't really one that you'd, 
heard quite regularly. Maybe in the recent years, it's been become a bit more popular. But um, yeah, I've always got this philosophy because at that time um, I was at a bit of a crossroads because I was actually, uh, um, I had a, a relationship previously and we'd been together for maybe three, four years. And it was like, oh, well, I've got it two years in Australia. What do we do? Like, yeah. do I stay in Sweden for you or do I go on this epic adventure to Australia instead? And I know he said to me, I wouldn't want to be the reason why you stayed. So definitely just just do it. And if we end up, you know, um, if you end up coming back to Sweden, then we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's not bank on it. And we were still young. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it was a mutual little um, part I guess for us but yeah so I've got this philosophy coming back to what I was saying (laughs) that what's the worst that can happen because every single time that I think oh like should I should I move to South Africa that's a big step or like should I move back to Sweden I don't know anyone anymore like or should I move to Australia I literally did not know a single person in Melbourne or Australia basically yeah and I had no friends, no family, no nothing. Um, and it was half a world away, the furthest place from my family or my parents. Um, and I always thought, well, you know what? I can always try it for six months or a year. And if I hate it, worst case scenario, I move home. Yeah. And I think that's the same with anything. Like if, you, if you're a bit on the edge of, oh, should I do this business adventure or should I go on this traveling excursion? If you hate it, the worst thing you can do is is move home because home is always going to be the same. No matter, like, I haven't been home now in three years. And I bet you as soon as I am there for two minutes, I'm going to be like, oh, it's it's all the same. Like, it, nothing really changes except for you. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, even though I moved here and didn't know anyone, I was still just thinking that I'll try it for a year. And if I really, really hate it and I really want to go back to Sweden or go to the States or wherever I want to go, I could always go back because that's always going to be there. But no, as you can tell, I I stayed. (laughs) So it all kind of worked out. Um, And I'm so grateful for for everything that's happened because of it. Um, I think you just answered my next question. But I'll just double check. Home for you is Sweden? Yeah, it, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Um, I would say it's a bit of both. So if someone were to ask me where I'm from, I would say Sweden because that's where I'm from. That's where I was born. But if someone were to ask me where's your accent from or where do your parents live or where's your family, I would say the US. So it kind of depends on on how I phrase the question. I think deep down I would say Sweden because that's where I was born and I feel like that's where my I have more pride in being Swedish than maybe American. <laughs> Not that the U.S. isn't a great place, but um, yeah, I just I I like Sweden a a lot more maybe politically and um, even if I were to work, I'd rather work in Sweden probably than than in the States just because it's a bit more cutthroat um, in the United States and and that. Even though the U.S. is beautiful, there's so much to offer there. I don't think I would move back unless it was a great job opportunity yeah. or, or something along those lines yeah um, but yeah I would say Sweden maybe 60 or 70 percent and then the rest the US it sounded really attractive like when you um where you described the schooling that's appealing to me and free university that's 
Yeah. So Amazing. you pay you pay through it all through taxes. Yeah. Um, so it all all evens out in the end. But it kind of means that the people on the top that make a lot of money, they get taxed a lot. So they feel like... So bad. <laughs> but like, yeah, but everyone's kind of on the same level playing field then too. Um, I think that's a really Swedish thing is to not brag about all the riches that you have. Um, there's actually like a, a simple man law is what it's called. And it's um, you are basically the same as everyone else. So don't go like Americans. They love to brag. They love to talk themselves up about I'm the best at this or that. Uh, Not all of them, but I feel like there's a lot more culture of that because of the capitalistic uh, background of of the United States. Whereas in Sweden, it's a lot more like I wouldn't even tell people that I'm from the States because I feel like I'm bragging because then they'd be like, oh, you're not like us kind of thing. So I probably would just hold off. um, I think when I started uni, People just said, oh, I thought your accent was just that you're from um, the northern part of Sweden. I didn't realize that you had an American background as well, Um, because my accent is quite heavily northern, I guess, like a deep southern accent, I guess, of the United States. Like that kind of accent is what I would have in in Swedish. And yeah, a lot of the people that I studied with, they were like, oh, I didn't realize that you were... Um, American I just thought your accent like your mixed accent was because you're from the north of Sweden not that you had a another background I guess yeah how do you think you're gonna feel when you see your parents again after three years no oh. um even like talking about it now I feel like I'm like tearing up a little bit about it uh, but yeah definitely will cry <laughs> um I think COVID's obviously been really tough on people and I've been really lucky because I've still had work and, you know, a house and, and everything's been quite stable here in Shet. Um, but a lot of people complained about not being able to see their friends or family. But I always, I always was like, well, I haven't seen my family in three years, you know, like, or two years. So your two months without your family doesn't really, yeah, equate, I guess, to emotionally what I was feeling at the time but I think everyone was going through their own little hardship so (laughs) yeah sorry I'm gonna like start (laughs) start crying (laughs) we have absolutely chewed through the time oh have we I haven't even looked (laughs) Um, so we're gonna skip to the last question oh okay yeah what's the last question you know what it is oh what locally inspires me who locally inspires you uh, so I had to think about this and I, I don't know why, but this is the first person that came to mind and I'm, I don't even know this person very well. And it's not even, um, someone that I would say I understand their background or anything, but I would have to say, and I, you know who this is, but I'd have to say Tegan Crawford. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's a bit cliche or not, but I, I love the, um, the whole background of it, like how she's this young, successful female um, in the community doing something that she loves and having this great business model. Like she has such amazing work ethic. I follow her on Instagram, Tegan's Cupcakes, and she's like baking nonstop. And she obviously must love it or get some satisfaction out of it because she is just grinding herself like crazy. And I would just love to have something that I'm that passionate about that I'd be able to work 15 16 hour days like I work my nine to five and I'm exhausted (laughs) so the fact that she could have built this little mini empire I guess in the past 
four or five years, however long she's been in business, is pretty unbelievable. So I love seeing females like that and like how successful they can be. And I even see that in the gym. I love seeing females that are really strong and like pushing themselves or, you know, feeling really good about themselves. And I feel the same with any female that in the community that's doing a really good job. So that would be the person that I would say. I think that's a great answer. All right. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for that. Perfect. That was really-